Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with Partner Vest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Partner Vest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. Partner Vest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security. Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Please contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com or go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's October 30th, 2015. I'm Charlie Wright, and we're sitting here in the studio with Brian Haskin, founder and editor of dailyalts.com. Brian, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Charlie, thank you for having me. It's great to uh, great to be here in the studio, and uh, appreciate appreciate the opportunity. So, Brian, give us uh, some of your background here. Uh, uh, where have you been in life, and how did you come to uh, start uh, DailyAlts.com? Well, that's a big question. Um, you know, I, my father was a corporate executive uh, with a large. Uh, global enterprise uh, for for a number of years, and he took us around the world. And uh, one of my you know great experiences, great opportunities, was to live in a number of U.S. cities and to live in foreign countries. Growing up as a kid, and um, and I kind of translated that into my career. So over the last twenty years in the institutional money management industry, you know I've lived in San Francisco, uh, Australia, Hong Kong, Los Angeles. Uh, Chicago. So I've had some great opportunities to work for a number of institutional, large institutional money managers, as well as some smaller firms that are very focused and very sophisticated organizations, uh, including my last employer here in Los Angeles, which is Analytic Investors. Um, so it's really kind of uh, you know been been in, um, mostly focused on the institutional side up until the last couple of years, until uh, when I started DailyAlts.com. Um, Okay, and and tell us, Brian, what uh, what capacities were you? Were you on the sales side? Were you in research and analysis? What did you do for these companies? Yeah, so most of my um, twenty years of experience has been on both the business development side and the product development side. So I have uh, worked with some of the largest institutional investors of the, in the world, large sovereign wealth funds, uh, both. Uh, in Europe and in the U.S., uh, as well as over in uh, Asia and Australia. And those are, you know, very complex organizations that really do a lot of deep thinking about investments. Uh, and over the last 10 years, I spent a lot of time in the alternative investment space, building and also selling uh, and servicing um, alternative investment products, whether it was long-short equity, some global macro, option-based strategies, and that really kind of struck kind of a chord with me because I think there's a lot of opportunity in what I would call more unconstrained investing rather than kind of traditional long-only investing. Um, so that's, uh, that, that's kind of where I began getting a little bit of an interest in alternatives and kind of continued to grow there kind of starting back in uh, kind of the late 90s. Uh, working for a company called Barclays Global Investors. Uh, we had some alternative products, and then kind of as I grew and 
uh, got more into product development side and investment strategy side, kind of helped actually assemble and build some of these products. Now, Brian, a, a struggle we have often on this show is we, we are typically focused on alternative-type investments. Mm-hmm. We've never liked the definition, the, the term alternative investments, because people may think we're talking about, you know, uh, gold mines. They may think we're talking about diamond mines, okay, or weird things. So define for us what alternative investments is. Yeah, I think there's two ways to think about it. One is alternative investment strategies, which is really taking traditional investments, equities, bonds, and applying a different technique to investing in those. And really what it means is is loosening the constraints on a man- money manager. And if a money manager has information about a particular security, they should be able to either overweight that in their portfolio or equally underweight it. And what happens in long-only investing is most money managers are constrained from the fact that they can't short a stock. It means they can't sell something or underweight it by the amount that they really want to underweight it. So if there's a particular stock that they don't like and it is maybe 1% of a particular index that a long-only manager is tracking and they really don't like that stock, the best they can do is not hold it, which is a 1% underweight. But if they could short it, they could potentially then have a 2% underweight, a 3% underweight, a 4% underweight or more. Um, And that's what unconstrained investing does. It really allows the money manager to fully implement their ideas. And long-only investing constrains that. And so you're not getting the best ideas. So when you think about alternative investments, there's alternative strategies which kind of encompass long-short investing and just going along and short different securities, whether it's in the fixed income market or the equity market. And there's strategies that kind of um, do some other things with options and things. Um, and those all kind of fall into this category of alternative strategies. So, again, it's kind of a, just a different way of managing money within traditional categories or assets that we already invest in. And the second way to think about alternatives is alternative asset classes. And this is where you get into other sorts of things like collectibles and coins and stamps. Um, but there's also kind of more traditional alternative asset classes that include commodities, where you can be long only, you can be long short. There's currencies. Again, you could be long only currencies, you can be long short currencies. Kind of currencies you have to be long or short. You have to be short something. And then there's venture capital, private equity, some of the bigger alternatives that we've you know seen and heard about, uh, as well as things like infrastructure and timber that a lot of the big endowments do. And so it's really important, I think, to bifurcate it into two those two categories, alternative strategies versus alternative assets. And they both they both serve different purposes in a portfolio. So today when people look at alternative investing, uh, is that typically done through a third party, a counterparty, uh, who is offering uh, a mutual fund kind of investments, either in timber or with a particular strategy or something like that? Yeah, so there's two ways, kind of two big ways to get exposure to alternatives. One is through what we call kind of liquid alternatives, which is what dailyalts.com focuses on, our, our primary focus. In fact, we're the only website in the world that really has a uh, focus, primary focus on, on liquid alternatives. And those are alternative mutual funds. So those are mostly things that I talked about, which are alternative strategies. There are some alternative asset classes like commodities, obviously, and real estate and things like that available. But when you look at the alternative strategies, you have long, short equity, uh, mutual funds, you have long short fixed income mutual funds. You have some strategies, what they call global macro, 
or managed futures, which are kind of bigger picture, globally invested um, strategies that go long and short different stock, bond, currency, commodity markets. So those are more liquid. They're all mutual funds, even ETFs. There's a number of ETFs available. The second way to invest in alternatives is more through limited partnerships, private offerings, direct investments. Uh, and those are the things that big institutional investors have used for years and years um, that you know are known as, quote, hedge funds or private equity funds or venture capital funds. What's interesting, and this is, I think, kind of a, a new development, is, is really where financial technology is kind of driving new platforms and new ways to access alternative investments. So now you can actually go online and you can go to sites like Realty Mobile and actually invest directly in real estate development and real estate projects, or, or there's a lot of real estate credit type sites available where you can go online uh, and invest in kind of the credit side of real estate, or even things like a lending club, etc. In addition, there are new platforms coming online, a number of them out there, that let you invest for fairly small amounts of money into private equity and venture capital. So with the emergence of technology and the Internet, there's really kind of this new wave, kind of a third way to now get invested into fairly, what I would call fairly mainstream alternative investments um, that are available for not just institutional investors but for retail investors. And I think that that's a huge kind of, revolution that's going on in, in the marketplace right now. Well, there's certainly a, a change in, in a difference here. Uh, so you're talking about, one, there are these third-party asset managers Correct. who offer these kinds of investments, but now there are kind of systems or platforms by which individual investors uh, can invest in these things for fairly modest, small amounts. Absolutely. And there's a number of very, um, what I would call progressive financial advisors that are looking at the full range of things that are available. So a number of financial advisors are using alternative mutual funds, helping diversify portfolios by investing in alternative strategies and alternative asset classes through mutual funds. It's very easy to do. You know, most of them have a $2,500 minimum, and uh, the fees, while the fees are a little bit higher than traditional long-only funds, they're more complex products, so the fees are a little bit higher. Um, but they really do serve a purpose from the standpoint of diversification with it in portfolio. Give you a little bit more, generally speaking, downside protection during difficult markets and some of the products and some of the strategies actually do quite well when equity markets might be struggling, things like managed futures. So there are a number of, of ways to get access. Again, financial advisors are a great way to do that um, for retail investors and to go through and make sure you pick a financial advisor that understands those types of products. Okay, Brian, we need to stop and take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask about how big this market is right now in comparison to the regular institutional mutual fund ETF markets here. So we're talking with Brian Haskin, founder and editor of DailyAlts.com. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, and we'll be right back. For today's Financial Minute on Strategic Investor Radio, we're talking with John Kosar, founder CEO of Asbury Research, an investment research firm out of Chicago. John, what do you have for us today? Today I wanted to talk about kind of an obscure market indicator, but one that is readily available on the Internet. It's the commitments of traders' data. It's put out every week on Friday afternoons uh, by the CFTC, Commodity Futures Trading Commission. And what it does is it breaks down futures open interest to show what various investor demographics are doing. The one that we're interested in is the hedgers. 
commercial hedgers. These are typically people who own the physical commodity. They either own gold or they own copper or they own bonds or, or wheat. It doesn't really matter. But what we're looking for in these data is when these smart money guys are at a least hedged extreme. They're using futures to hedge the position that they're holding in the physical asset. So when they're a less hedged extreme, you're getting close to a price bottom. It still may be a month or two away, but right now we are seeing such potential bottoms in gold at about $1,100 an ounce and in copper at about $2.30 a pound. It's not a buying opportunity yet, but these are value areas and time to check your charts, check your prices, to look for something constructive on the charts, prices to go higher. It's, again, uh, something that is available on the internet. It's not used very frequently, but it's a very valuable tool that investors should know about. John, thank you very much. And if someone wants to learn more, how do they reach you? They can find us on the internet at asburyresearch.com and there's a phone number there or there's a brief form that they can fill out right on the website uh, indicating what kind of an investor they are and somebody will get back to them shortly. Spell Asbury. A-S-B-U-R-Y research.com. Or they can check out our weekly show on octalkradio.net. John, thank you very much. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Brian Haskin, founder and editor of DailyAlts.com. So, Brian, you're talking to us about alternative investments. A few weeks ago, we had uh, someone uh, uh, as a guest on the show, and they told a very interesting story having to do with alternative investments. They said that they had sold a business which actually had marketed alternative investments and had been very successful. They were one of the owners, and uh, he was contacted by these large uh, investment advisory firms, the, the biggest ones from Wall Street, Merrill Lynch, J.P. Morgan, etc., etc., and they all came in to advise him on his personal wealth. And now this was a guy who had made his money in the alternative industry Okay, alternative investments industry. And he said every one of them, they offered uh, strategies that looked exactly like the other ones, and they were all typically 60-40 buy and hold. And he said, well, wait a minute, guys. I made my money in alternative investments here. You're not even talking about alternative investments. So tell us, how big is the alternative investment marketplace today as a percentage of the investments held, etc.? Nobody in 401ks really has has alternative investment opportunities, right? Yeah, 401ks are very limited in their exposure to alternative investments, sadly enough. That's beginning to change, but it's going to be very slow to change for for a variety of of different reasons. Um, And... You know, interesting, the story about the, the individual that sold the, the business, um, you know, I've had the same experience. I've, I've spoken to financial advisors that, you know, were calling on me to, to, to manage money, and you get the same story. And I begin asking him about alternatives and say, you know, I'd really like to have some alternatives in my portfolio, and how would you work, you know, how would you do that? And, you know, some of them struggled with that. So that was actually one of the reasons why I started Daily Alts, because there really wasn't a, a centralized place for anybody to go to really kind of understand and learn and track and follow and analyze some of the products that are available out there, especially in the mutual fund and ETF space. So you asked me about how big is the market. The the alternative mutual fund and ETF marketplace is one of the fastest growing categories of kind of the retail marketplace. It's only about $350 billion in size, however. And that's relative to a $13, $14 trillion 
ETF and mutual fund marketplace. So there's about nine billion, or sorry, nine trillion dollars in mutual funds, about another four in um, ETFs, growing rapidly. And you know, you round that up, it's about thirteen, fourteen trillion dollars in alternative uh, or in, in traditional kind of products, and only three hundred fifty million in alternative funds. The view is, if you look at the institutional market, the institutional market is much larger in terms of an overall allocation. So that alternative mutual fund and ETF is about 1% of the overall kind of uh, mutual fund and ETF market, whereas the institutional investment marketplace is much closer to about 10 15% allocation to alternative investments. So if you take the view that um, alternative mutual funds and ETFs and retail investors will continue to increase their allocation to alternatives, then you can kind of extrapolate out that the alternative mutual fund and ETF marketplace will get much larger and will be a couple trillion dollar marketplace, you know, in seven, ten, fifteen years, as retail investors become a little bit more comfortable with it. So, in total, there's about two trillion dollars in hedge funds, um, depending upon how you count it, and then there's also assets allocated to private equity and venture capital, and and so, uh, so obviously the institutional side is a much much larger marketplace. Um, but on the retail side, it's growing quickly. I remember reading David Swenson's book, uh, Unconventional Wisdom, I think, or something like that, uh, you know, probably 2007. Mm-hmm. And he talked about alternative investments and how they were invested. In this. He's the manager of Yale's Endowment Fund. And uh, how they were invested in lumber and all these different things. And at the time, of course, nobody thought about those kinds of things. And today, those kinds of, of investments are becoming more and more popular. And I have seen charts on the significant allocation that institutions, like you say, have allocated to what we would call alternative investments here. And, and somebody like Yale is allocated maybe 10% to traditional equities, um, and the rest, the 90%, is allocated to all kinds of other things that that you your typical you know investor isn't going to have exposure to. And like you said, real estate, agriculture, uh, timber, um, all kinds of uh, infrastructure investments. And you have to think about, you know, they have a much longer-term investment horizon. I mean, it's into perpetuity, and so they can take – a lot of time with their investments and take very, very long-term views on kind of different asset class returns. Um, and that's not always the case with, with individual investors. Right. So tell us about dailyalts.com. Yeah, it's it's a website that uh, has, has kind of grown and evolved over time. It originally started as a blog. And, How long ago? Uh, two years ago. And um, we migrated into a little bit more formal website with kind of categories and um, the idea was to bring all of this information together into one place. So if you're a financial advisor, if you're an individual, institutional investor, family office, you can go and you can look at categories of funds. You can go and see a list of all the longshore equity funds, all the merger arbitrage funds, etc. You can find news and research about all of those. So if you really want to dig into investing in liquid alternatives, there's a number of research papers available there. You can kind of keep track of kind of what's going on from a day-to-day perspective in terms of new fund launches, portfolio manager changes on individual funds, new funds that are coming out or funds that are being closed. Um, we talk about all of those. So, so we generally do about three to five articles a day um, to kind of keep our readers informed. And um, a couple things coming up for the new year that we're planning are uh, one is a newsletter. Uh, so we're going to be launching a liquid alternatives newsletter that is focused on digging a little bit deeper into all these funds and all these products and providing readers with specifics uh, around performance, 
uh, risks of those funds and some ratings of those funds on a monthly basis. And then we'll also be launching a subscription kind of component to the website as well that will have some premium content uh, available to it. Uh, so we think both of those would be really compelling, and it's just part of the evolution of the of the strategy or, or of the website. And now, who who are you writing this website for and this material? Yeah, it's really geared for financial advisors, family offices, and some institutional investors. You know, not every institutional investor is is going to use a mutual fund or an ETF. Some of them do. Uh, your large guys, your five, ten, fifteen billion dollar pension plans aren't going to use a mutual fund or an ETF because they can go get a separate account. But your your, your average financial advisor might be you know, managing two, three, four, five hundred million dollars and really wants to learn a little bit more about these products, maybe wants to make an allocation to them. Um, it's being written for those individuals. Um, anybody that wants to do a little bit more due diligence, a little bit more research and just kind of have a single place to go to find out information. Uh, on these products. And what kind of input have you received so far from your, your watchers here? Yeah, it's been terrific. I mean, the, the, the site usage growth has, has come along very well. Uh, we have a subscription newsletter, so you can sign up to get a daily or a weekly newsletter for free. Uh, so that subscription has, has come along. And I get a lot of feedback from advisors. I get advisors calling me, say, this is great, really. Hey, can you add this? Can you add that? Um, so it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been it's been interesting, and um, you know when when I originally put it together, you know the idea was um, again to to provide that single kind of source, and and it continues to grow in that way. So it's been it's been good. Well, congratulations! Uh, it's the only one I'm aware of that's focused on alternative investing. Is that is that the case? That's correct. Yes. Yeah, and you were recommended to us. Or the site was recommended to us, and uh, if there's any fault in the site. It is an overload of information. There's just a tremendous amount of information there. And uh, you also have a daily newsletter, because yes. I know I get it here. Exactly. So the daily and the weekly, if daily is too much, you can sign up for the weekly and just get the headlines. Um, and probably beginning of the new year, we'll have a few different options for different newsletter subscriptions as well. But, yeah, we try and keep it as clean as possible, and we try and um, you know categorize things in ways where you can either look by investment strategies. So if you want to know more about long short long short equity strategies, you can you can um, categorize by that and sort and filter by that. Or if you want to just kind of look at research articles, generally speaking, you can you can do that as well. Um, so there's there's different ways to kind of filter. There is a lot of information, um, but there's different ways to filter on that. Brian, we need to take another short break here. We're talking with Brian Haskin, founder and editor of DailyAlts.com, as in Daily Alternatives. And uh, you're listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guests as we wrap things up. 
Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Brian Haskin, founder and editor of DailyAlts.com, an excellent resource for information about alternative investing. So tell us, Brian, a question we always like to ask our guests here. What keeps you awake at night? Probably the number one thing that keeps me awake is, is the fact that there are so many investors that have way too much equity risk in their portfolio without knowing it. So they may have a portfolio that is allocated 60% equities and 40% bonds. And in fact, I was talking to somebody the other day that, that had just this. And, you know, he's mid-30s and said, yeah, you know, I've got a portfolio that's 60, 40, and I've taken the equities and I allocated some out to, to you know, non-U.S. equities and emerging markets. And I said, well, you know, those are really highly correlated with each other. Emerging markets, a little bit less so than, than international, but the correlation between U.S. and non-U.S. equity markets has risen significantly over the last 20 years. So by going outside the U.S., you don't necessarily get the diversification that you used to get. And also by having 60%, people look at, oh, I only have 60% in equities. Well, little do you know, about 90% of your risk comes from those equities. And so when you look at things, rather than kind of on just a pure allocation standpoint, you look at things from a risk allocation. Where is your risk allocated in your portfolio? Too many people, I believe, have too much risk tied up in the equity market. And it becomes a big problem when you have markets like 2008, 2009, when you have kind of early 2000s and you have these meltdowns of 50%. It leads to bad investor behavior. And what I mean by that is that investors... You know, they're down 20, they're down 30 in the market, and all of a sudden they just can't stomach it anymore, and they jump out. And maybe they bail, maybe they hang on till the very bottom, and then they bail, and they're down 50% in 2009, and they bail, and they go to cash, and they feel good about that, they save some money, and all of a sudden the market races back up. And if you're down 50%, you have to have 100% return to get back to being whole, not even to making money, being better than you were before. You have to actually make 100% just to get back to even. And if you, you know, most investors, after they bailed out, don't necessarily get back in right away. They're, they're scared. And so they wait until it gets back to even. They go, okay, well, kind of maybe things are okay now, five years later, and now we'll get back in. Well, your opportunities are less. The market's kind of revalued, and it's much higher valuation. Um, that's what keeps me awake at night, is knowing that too many people have too much equity risk in their portfolio, and there are easy things they can do about that. You know, uh, another big concern today uh, outside of the equity market is everything you've just said is certainly accurate. But even for the fixed income market with rising interest rates, the, the principal value of those fixed income investments that people own are going to fall. And so in 2011, the, uh, long, the, the long-term government bond, okay, it, it rose 29% because interest rates fell. Well, when interest rates rise... You know, if they if they made 29% on falling interest rates, they can easily lose 29% on rising interest rates. And yet they think that they're in the world's safest investment, long-term U.S. government bond. So I presume that uh, Liquid Alts also has information on fixed income alternative investing as well, correct? Absolutely. And your point is, is well taken. There's an asymmetric kind of payoff going forward. Um, in the fixed income market, meaning that there's more risk of loss than there is risk of gain. You know what your gain is going to be. Next to nothing. Yeah, next (laughs) to nothing. If you go out 10 years, it's going to be 2%. Um, Will the Fed raise rates? That's been a question for the last three years. I don't think they will. 
I think the economy is slowing. You have five Fed governors that are all appointed by Obama. They're not going to raise rates in an election year. And I think it's going to be three to five years before we see any significant rate rise, which means that at best you're going to get a 2% return, 3% return maybe on fixed income. I, I think there's other places and other things you can do. One is alternative fixed income. The other one that, that I like to think about as a replacement for fixed income that doesn't have any of the interest rate risk or credit risk that fixed income has is equity market neutral. So equity market neutral, it's, it's all long, short stocks, and they get a return. It's 100% driven by the excess return of the portfolio, the alpha, so to speak, of their portfolio, plus any cash return that they get in the portfolio, which now is, is very low. But if you could squeak out a 3 to 4% return in an equity market neutral product or strategy without having interest rate risk or credit risk, I'd be much happier with that. And I would rather allocate my fixed income portfolio to something like a series, you know, a suite of market neutral products rather than having kind of fixed income, which has all those other risks that we, we spoke about. So I, I kind of question whether there's really today a role for fixed income in somebody's portfolio. Um, this is no yield and there's a lot of downside potential. And you're certainly not alone there. Yeah. So a second question we'd like to ask is what book on investing would you recommend to our listeners? Yeah, the book that, that I think is is a, is a great book that's um, come out not too long ago is one that, that dovetails a little bit with the behavioral issues that I talked about. That And, and behavioral kind of um, uh, finance has been you know, a pretty significant area of study over the last you know, five to ten years. And a gentleman by the name of Brian Portnoy, uh, who is also an alum of University of Chicago, as I am, um, he wrote a book called The Investor's Paradox. Very interesting book. And he talks a lot about the, um, the psychology of investors. And by reading that, you can kind of learn a little bit about how other investors and how you might behave during different periods of time. And then I think what's really important is that he also provides a framework for evaluating products, all the different products that are available to you. I mean, with the number of mutual funds, the number of ETS, the number of other types of investment products available, it's overwhelming. And so when you're thinking, especially when you're thinking about alternative investment products, again, there's thousands of hedge funds, there's, there's hundreds of mutual funds and ETFs. How do you kind of sift through all of these and figure out which ones are good? And so he really provides kind of a very clear framework for that um, and kind of taking it from the investor's paradox, giving you a framework to, to kind of focus on and thinking about things like concentration of a portfolio, how concentrated is a portfolio. What's the directionality of the portfolio, i.e. meaning how much exposure does it have to the equity markets or the fixed income markets or the commodity markets? You know, if those move up or down, how's the portfolio going to do? How complex is the strategy? What kind of leverage do they use? Is it liquid or is it illiquid? And really kind of taking those five building blocks and then being able to pare down all the strategies and evaluate them that way and layering that in with some other ways of evaluating funds that you might want to use, whether it's risk or performance um, or even more qualitative reviews of investment managers, kind of understanding their business, the people behind it, and that sort of thing, which is also important. Um, so the it's name invest- of the book again? Again, it's The Investor's Paradox by Brian Portnoy. Uh, terrific book. Great. Thank you. And uh, since you're from University of Chicago, any great stories about Milton Friedman? Uh, no. You know, I think one of the things that I think you have to learn and think about from an academic standpoint is that academics – 
there there are things that stand the test of time and they're they're good for frameworks for investing but i think it's important to think outside the box um so a number of obviously great chicago uh, uh professors etc have done a lot of very good work um but markets evolve and theories evolve um and alternatives are one of those and when you begin kind of layering in alternative investments, it begins to change some of the theories that were developed 30, 40 years ago um, around kind of optimization of portfolios and building portfolios. And those are the things that, uh, you know, I think are seminal kind of academic literature and paperwork. But I think there's the need to apply kind of more current thinking to some of those and blend them together to build really good portfolios. Well, those alternative investing certainly involves current thinking, uh, no question about it. So www.dailyalts.com, that's the place to go? That's the place to go, dailyalts.com. Okay, and that stands for dailyalternatives.com. Exactly. And they can sign up for your uh, daily or weekly e-newsletter, look at the site, figure out what they like, and are are there links to uh, the the, the asset managers who are there or anything like that? Yeah, we have lists of funds, and we have links uh, on each one of those funds, so you can go and get a little profile of the fund, and you can click on the ticker symbol, and it'll take you to the actual manager's site, so you can learn a little bit more and maybe contact the manager if you want to. Um, so yeah, there's lists of companies and lists of funds, and um, additionally, there's a page called Resources tab that has a lot of the literature just listed out, so a lot of the very good kind of research that we've seen, uh, we put it on the Resources tab, and so that's kind of a good place to start as well. Okay. Well, Brian, thank you very much. This has been very, very interesting, as is your site here. We've been talking with Brian Haskin, founder and editor of DailyAlts.com, with uh, his offices in Los Angeles. He's been with us here in the studio, and you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Please, again, contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com and go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. This is Charlie Wright wishing you all an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.